Good morning, Alaska, and welcome to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Prentice Pemberton. Most people believe that being blind means the inability to see at all, or that it's like living life with your eyes closed. The reality is far from this simplistic view. The National Federation for the Blind defines blindness as a person having sight that is bad enough, even with corrective lenses, that they must use alternative methods to engage in any activity that people with normal vision would do using their eyes. On today's edition of Line One, we will discuss the myths and misconceptions about blindness, look at what life in Alaska is like for the visually impaired, and discuss the support and resources that are available for Alaskans with vision challenges. Joining me from the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired are Chief Executive Officer C.B. Brady and Program Director Nate Kyle. Welcome to the program, gentlemen. I appreciate you both taking the time to join us today. Thank yes. you. Thank you for having us. Okay, I need to take a second to remind people that we value listener participation. If you have a question for my guests or a comment about today's topic, there are three ways to connect with us. If you are in the Anchorage area, our phone number is 907-550-8433. If you're listening outside of Anchorage, you can reach us toll-free at 1-888-353-5757. Five, two. And the last way to join is to email your questions to line1 at alaskapublic.org. Got to spell out line1, L-I-N-E-O-N-E. We will do our best to get your questions on the air. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's start off, I guess, uh, with each of you giving us a little bit about your background and, and the roles that you have at the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. I guess we can start with uh, CB. All right, thanks. CB Brady, Executive Director of the Center for the Blind Visually Impaired. I am 49 years old. When I was 28, I learned that I had a degenerative hereditary eye disease that leads to blindness. It's called retinitis pigmentosa, commonly referred to as RP. My visual field is why I am blind, legally blind, and we'll go into that in more detail. I have 12 degrees a visual, visual field where a normal eye would have about 170. The other, like you said, the other would be 2200 with corrected lenses is the other form of being blind. All right. And Nate? Yeah, so I'm Nate Kyle. I'm the program director for the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. I am 46 years old, and I have been blind now for the majority of my life uh, due to a gun accident when I was 15 years old. And so I lost my vision immediately. So I'm at the totally right. other end of the spectrum. Um, just was unexpected, accidental. And so readjustment was had to be pretty much immediate. And, um, and then through having some exposure to, you know, technology, uh, I, I really became adapt to adapt to using technology or what we call accessible software and that was my my foot into the center for the blind I became the technology instructor I had worked with some youth in the past and some pastoral care and so then I became the youth transition coordinator and then about two years ago during uh, the onset of COVID the board came to me and said hey 
would you like to do the interim position here? And I said yes, and then CB came on as the executive director, and he brought me on as the full-time program director for the center. All right. We will get um, – I'd like to get a little bit more uh, later about your that adjustment and the difference between the gradual sort of decline um, into vision loss versus, you know, like that sudden – um, loss and what that means emotionally. Uh, I'm sure there is, there's all sorts of complex stuff. So we could probably do a whole show on that. Uh, we won't have time today, but, um, but yeah, I'd like to, we'll get into a little bit more about that later, but as we get rolling here, um, I did a lot of research, uh, online reading different articles and terminology, and there is so many different ways to speak about, vision loss and blindness and um it's like any other any other topic everybody's got an opinion on what the correct things to say are uh what not to say but uh, just from you all what uh can you explain some of the terms around um vision blindness uh i think of things like legally blind visually impaired low vision total mm -hmm. blindness i mean there's lots of um lots of different different terms so can you sort of educate me and uh <laughs> and our listeners on some of those sure yeah well uh i think we can both play this i believe it's somewhat of a personal issue i i am technically or legally blind but i still have vision i don't mind being called blind i don't mind being called visually impaired some people do and, and some people are very particular about it so i do think it comes down to a personality and how you accept it the, the blind and visually impaired community is vast. If you have glasses, which you and I both have on, you're technically visually impaired. So to, to put numbers to it, it's really hard to find out how to define blind, which a lot of times people think of zero light perception or total blindness. Right. And the other would be visually impaired like myself. Mm -hmm. You want to expand on that? Yeah, I, I want to say that within the blind community, typically with people who are blind uh, and blind professionals, paraprofessionals, um, I see the terms blind and low vision used. That's what we, you know, when we're writing emails and communicating and coming up with assessments and plans and reports, blind, low vision. But then you get into the, the real world application. If, if I'm a person who has low vision, some usable vision, and I'm about to get on the bus, I may or may not be using a cane, and I ask the bus driver, excuse me, what bus is this? And they say, can't you see? Which is very typical. Can't right. you look up at the sign? It's right there. And then you may just say, well, I'm legally blind. And if you have a cane, you may just say, I'm blind. And what that does, it just it's a it's a quick way to let them know that there's something going on with my vision. And some people aren't comfortable saying I'm blind. Even if they have very little vision, they would rather say I'm legally blind. And that's where CB pointed out it can be a personal issue also. Yeah, and I think, um, Nate, for, for somebody that has a cane like you or a dog, since you have a dog um, who's not with you today, unfortunately, because that would be mm -hmm. cool. Um, it's easy for somebody, but for somebody like CB, if he gets on a bus and says, what bus is this? They would look at him like, are you being a jerk? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it can happen. I carry a white cane in my backpack, but I don't always use it in the daylight. 
and I take the bus every day and 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 I have a half fare for my disability and many times I'm questioned by the bus driver show me your disability card well there isn't a disability card and and that's mm -hmm. often a misconception so mm -hmm. so riding the bus every day uh, I I've gotten on the wrong route many times <laughs> when it turns the wrong way you go oh, <laughs> ring the bell and get off as quick as you can where am I exactly mm -hmm. Okay, well that's uh, that's helpful. Um, so, what are the numbers like in Alaska? What kind of numbers are we talking about um, of visually low vision, uh, visually impaired, legally blind people versus uh, total blindness? Um, do we have a percent of the population or a number of people we're talking about? It's tough. Nate's looking at me because he wants me to answer, and I don't know the answer. <laughs> but there, I heard yesterday there are fifty. Um, kids 14 and under in the Anchorage Bowl that are blind or visually impaired. Like I said, the, the lines are blur, blurred right. because of our, you know, just having glasses. Uh, cataracts is technically visually impaired. So, so we don't have real good numbers, even nationally. It's very hard to track just because it's such a big spectrum. It, it is. Let me, th and there, there are some numbers that we use to generalize that out of any given population, there's going to be between two and three percent who are legally, in quotes, blind. Okay. And then out of those who fall into legally blind, people who, like myself, who have no vision at all, it's we get down to about 5%. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, again, misconceptions. Because some people think, well, I, I have vision loss, and I hear about this place, the Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired, but I'm not blind. And, and since they have that usable vision still, it's low vision, they may avoid, you know, getting, receiving training with that and, you know, a dozen other reasons. Um, but so those are some of the numbers and some information behind what, what those numbers can mean. And Nate, you bring up a good point, which we will get into later, is uh, you talked about before the show about folks wait often too long or think they don't have there aren't resources available if you're just starting to lose your vision and people wait until you know it's uh till they've lost jobs or and and don't reach out and there's some really some things available so we'll get into that more um in a little bit i want to take just a second to reconnect for folks who might be just tuning in my guests today are executive director cb brady and program director nate kyle from the alaska center for the blind and visually impaired if you have a question for cb or nate or a comment about today's topic you can reach us in three ways our local number is 907-550-8433 that's if you're in anchorage uh, outside of Anchorage, you can call us toll-free at 1-888-353-5752. And the last way to get your questions or comments to us is through our email. That's line1 at alaskapublic.org. Um, all right, can we – I'd like to get back to, to each of you and your experience um, in, in transitioning. And, and I guess, uh, CB, we can start with you. I mean – when did this uh, start for you, the, the vision loss, and what was that adjustment like? I'm sure you went through a lot. Like, um... Yeah, thanks. So like I said earlier, I found out I had an eye disease at 29. It didn't affect me. I was surprised. Uh, when I looked it up, it said RP equals blindness, and it was a little bit of a shock. Uh, 
Um, but I felt fine. I could see I didn't feel impaired. When I moved back to Alaska, I was in Maine at the time. When I moved back to Alaska in 2006, my friend invited me to a tour at the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired, where I got to focus energy locally instead of nationally on trying to raise money, raise awareness. I did this out of, of um, my future projection. I, I quickly became a board member. Two years later, I was the board president at the center, uh, where I was for 12 years. Uh, and then the executive director um, position opened up, and I jumped at it as quick as I could. Right at the same time, Nate was an instructor. I was actually also a client at the center. So I've been a board member, a client, and now the executive director. So I have got a good feel of how our operation works. And like I said earlier, Nate was my technology teacher, and and it made me better. So my journey is now I'm to the point where I haven't driven in four years. I Like I said, I use a white cane when I need it, uh, arguably some of my instructors would say I need it all the time just as a signal, which I can relate a story to with Uber. But the, the important thing is the center has taught me that life isn't over if you go blind or visually impaired, whether suddenly or progressively. And my benefit is the progression has allowed me to get training before I really need it. I, I, I took Braille. Braille's an incredible language to learn. I doubt I'll ever really need it as a as a as um my source of reading based on technology, but it's really cool to be a part of the community that you know where it all started. And that that's that's part of what the center does. It gives you the confidence to go out in the world and and live your life and not sit on the couch and pity party. That's a great point that sense of community and connection um and sharing, you know, the challenges with other folks who are who are going through it. Now, Nate, your uh, your story is a little bit different. This sudden loss as a teenage boy who, like, just it just happened suddenly. And what was that transition? I mean, obviously, it was mm-hmm. terrible. And uh, I have had Dan Bigley on the show, and we talked a little bit about his sudden loss. At I think he was twenty five, but. Um, what was that like for you and like, what did you go through emotionally and, and how did you come back? Sure. It's loaded. That's, that's the two hour show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 15 years old, you know, culturally, culturally 1991, I'm just, I'm a young boy who's action on my bike, learning to drive four wheelers, motorcycles, Mm -hmm. anything with the throttle. And then all of a sudden I, I have no vision. And so it's part of, you know, what's my identity now? And that's what everyone's going to go through at some stage of vision loss or traumatic um, situations and disabilities. Um, But, you know, I didn't realize, understand trauma. I didn't understand depression. And it wasn't until I got older that I could look back and and see that I was experiencing both of those. Um, And then there's a socioeconomic situation where people, families, who have disabilities. You know, my mother was, was a single mom, kind of an inner city kid. Yeah. And so her ability to understand the value of resources was, was, it was lacking. And so I didn't receive the training. You know, I, I got home and I tell people the story and it probably sounds wild because it is. I was in the hospital for two weeks and the day, the next day I, I got home, I walked about five blocks to someone's house without a cane. Oh. 
And um, so you have like high risk behavior, which goes again with that socioeconomics, you know, that whole story. And it's that's real prevalent in disabled communities where there's lots of things going on where that we say oftentimes blindness isn't the biggest problem because hmm. um, there's there's mental health. There's the processing of trauma. There's there's the financial. There's all, you know, all kinds of things. And so now. Um, you know, 30 years later, I'm able to process that and I'm able to help others unpack that. And and that's probably, you know, the biggest reason I'm in this position now is because I understand what the journey can look like, what the healing process can look like. And I've communicated the message with enough people and partner agencies to where we, we have created this support in this community and I'm able to be part of it. Thank you for that. Um... All right, let's uh, let's shift gears for a second. Talk about some of the uh, the myths or misconceptions um, about blind people and people with vision impairment. Um, like, I mean, thing that comes to mind: Do people really talk louder to you? And like, what are some other things that y'all run across uh, in your daily lives um, that would just like? What could you say that would help people understand? Um, the realities of it a little bit better. So I'll start. Nate's got uh, going to have a better resource on this, but the, the I to me people don't talk louder because they don't see me as blind when I walk up without a cane. Right. And and that's okay. When I when I have it, when I have an example of that Uber driver, I, I use Uber. I use friends and family, and I use public transportation, and I walk, and that's the way I get around. And often I type in my address and the Uber driver pulls right up. Oh, one time the Uber driver was across the street parking and I did not have my cane out and I, maybe I should have as a, as a signal, but I asked him if he could come across the street, turn around and come across the street. And he got out of his car and he ran at me and he had all these expletives and, and, and got back in his car. And I said, sir, I'm blind. And I pulled out my cane and he sped off, and then a couple minutes later, he came back and he said, "I'm sorry, uh, uh, don't yell at me again." He says, <laughs> which I was very surprised at. And uh, he said, "Do you want to ride or not?" And I needed a ride, and I, I got in, and I and I regret it. It, it. The guy shouldn't be driving; he was right. too angry. And for me to cross the street without a crosswalk is not something I generally do. I, I try to, with the vision I have, which is basically tunnel vision, about the size of a quarter, it's not safe to jaywalk and so I w so so that impacted me um, and and that's just one story that the blind and visually impaired any disability can talk for hours about right how they're how they're judged so yeah so for me it's 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 easier I think for me and my condition than it is for my co-workers and for Nate yeah um there's four four perspectives that and spectrums that come to my mind. One is that people will can see blind person as just hey, there's there's a blind guy who lives next door, you know, and and so you're just kind of a blind person, or I have a blind coworker, right. and so you're kind of relegated to that label. Um, the other thing is, well, blind people they they can they're musicians. They they um they can be ninja masters and sense things and I have a guy in my neighborhood he says I know you can sense this come over <laughs> and we're gonna 
come over and do martial arts with me. I live in Spinard, so yeah. <laughs> and um, and then I have a friend who goes to college on the East Coast, and she's blind. And she described something to me one day, and I said, that's very interesting because it feels true. She has some usable vision. And when she's walking down the street with her guide dog in New York, she can see people like this, the sea is parting. And people are, they stop and will watch her. And she said, you know, I feel like a unicorn. Hmm. And so it's kind of like, wow, there's a blind person. Hmm. Uh, so, so some of that happens, uh, the way people look at us. And then the way that people sometimes respond to us, I think, can also be tied into how we carry ourselves. We comport ourselves and we see our disability. Um, you know, if you've had some bad experiences, you may set yourself up, you know, in that posture of just waiting for someone to come up to you when you go into a building and try to grab your arm and say, because that, that can happen. Someone may come up and say, oh, um, I can tell you're looking for this. And they take your arm and start pulling on your sleeve. And it's very, it can be very frustrating. And so you're, if you're, that's your posture where you're waiting for that. And someone asks you a question and you kind of snap at them because you're used to something uncomfortable happening, then that can also set a tone for the way people will look at us as well. Yeah, that's a, uh, those are really good points. And I want to get into more after the break. We're up against our first break, but I do want to talk about how people really, you know, how do we assist folks? I mean, because I'm sure people coming in and pulling on you is quite annoying, but they're probably nice people who are trying to be supportive or helpful, right? And so that's uh, something, how can we assist? And um, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about those things. Um, if you're just joining us, my guest uh, today are uh, Executive Director C.B. Brady and Program Director Nate Kyle from the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. We are discussing what it's like being blind in Alaska, and we'll talk about some of the resources and supports that are available Um as we move along here. But uh, after this short break, we'll continue with more of our conversation. I'm Prentice Pemberton, and you're listening to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. You're listening to Line One from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line One on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a free 24-7 confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Alaska Natives. Help is available by calling or texting 1-844-7-NATIVE or using the chat icon at strongheartshelpline.org. This message is sponsored by the Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Prentice Pemberton. If you're just joining us, my guests are Executive Director C.B. Brady and Program Director Nate Kyle from the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. 
If you have a question for CB or Nate today or a comment about today's topic, please give us a call or send us an email. Email is line one at alaskapublic.org. Our Anchorage number is 907-550-8433. And you can reach us toll free at 1-888-353-5752. Okay, gentlemen, on the, on the way in today, um, you know, I always wonder like how much help does someone need? And I think it's, uh, it would be rude to assume that someone needs lots of help or guidance. And as we're coming along, I sort of noticed that CB who is, has some vision was sort of verbally sort of giving hints and clues to Nate, um, who has no vision and sort of, you know, like we're going to take a left. We're going to, there's some stairs here and, and offered an elbow rather than grabbing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about like if somebody is walking down the street and they see somebody who's blind and they want to help, I'm sure there's good hearted people who, who are end up being rude inadvertently, but what's, uh, Nate, maybe you can take this one, um, since you probably have a little bit more experience with it, but, um, what's the proper way to like interact and to be helpful if you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I, I think that, um, that you, you want to approach people always just with, with respect and, and remembering, Hey, I'm just approaching a person just like me. And you, like anyone, you never want to grab someone, whether it's sighted or not. Cause our reaction is going to be like any person who's mm -hmm. grabbed we're going to feel like you're in my space and that's a violation of that that personal space and so approaching someone and say hey excuse me um do you in that and that's if the person is maybe stopped like if i'm just on track and i look like i know what i'm doing 90 percent of the time i probably know what i'm doing but if i stop and i'm kind of maybe um look like i'm, I'm kind of tapping around or feeling for a door then it wouldn't hurt to say excuse me sir is there anything i can help you to find and that's the same in the sighted world. You right. know, if, if you're, you stop and you're kind of looking around, someone may walk by and say, hey, can I help you? And so, you know, keeping it really simple and basic. And if they say, you know, yes, um, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, room 102. There's, there's, then there's a couple of approaches. You, you, you might say, well, would you like me to show that to you? It's, it's right down the hallway. And they may say, actually, no, just... Am, am, I, am I going in the right direction or do I need to go left or right? What you don't want to say is it's over there because <laughs> that's over there is over where and then you get into yeah. all kinds of blind humor. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you try to be specific and you say, well, you, you're going down the right hallway. You just keep going straight and then there's an opening on your right, maybe about 20 yards. And then I could say, okay, thank you. And that may be enough information for me. Or you might say, can I show you where it is? And I say, yes. And then the sighted person may say, well, um, would you like to take an elbow or would you like to just follow my voice? And, mm. and those are going to be the simple ways. And the person say, oh, I'll, I'll take an elbow or I'll just follow you. And I know for me, I don't always have a preference. Today, CB said, you want to take an elbow? And I said, yes. And that was because I didn't, you know, the time restraint. I wanted to make right. sure that we were just where we needed to be. And also, it's easier for me to hold a conversation with a person um, while I'm on their elbow, rather than if I'm just tacking along with my cane and trying to pay attention to um, the area I'm in and that orientation and mobility. 
Yeah, and with my condition, it's a little different. Uh, taking an elbow, for those that do not know, is called being a sighted guide. It's just very simple. You bend your arm. The blind or visually impaired person grabs your elbow, and where you go, they go. And if you go through a doorway, you tell them, and they'll get behind you versus off to the flank. It's a very effective tool. I use it. Um, I, I use it to help, but I also use it. My friends. I use my friends and family as guides. My condition. I have night blindness also. So when it gets twilight or dark, the lights turn off, and I'm full cane. Um, Nate today would generally have his dog guide dog, but because of his current or his previous engagements, he, he's on his cane, which is unusual for me to see, frankly. Um, so giving him a, uh, an elbow was just a quicker way to get down here. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, it's, uh, it's like anything else. If you see somebody who looks like they're maybe lost or, or struggling to figure something out, ask like, like I would, if I saw a lady standing, looking around, looking confused, I'd say, Hey, is there something I can help you with? That's a, a That's great exactly point. Right. Okay. And, and real quick with that said, I, I it, the biggest problem is that invasion of space. I've, I've been with somebody who is blind and, and they're a senior and maybe because the person thought they were going to be really helpful, that blind person sat down and the other person went to buckle them in. Mm. And that's, you know, just like for any of us, that's right. pretty insulting. I had another friend, she was on a plane and she made it back to the bathroom. The stewardess kind of helped her back then. The stewardess was going to help her unbutton her pants. Mm. And so... Those are the things that you, you have that kind of experience. And then I talked earlier about you, you kind of getting that posture of you're waiting for someone to violate your space. And so you're all automatically bristled up. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're sort of prepared for ignorance, mm -hmm. um, for people to think that you're incapable uh, versus just maybe need some direction. Um, yeah, like you're not an infant who needs to be buckled in their car seat. Correct. Uh, so assuming that stuff, like, yeah, have some respect and understand that people are quite capable and have a great deal of training and put effort into navigating and figuring out their way around. Okay. Um, yeah, the uh, Alaska Center for the Blind. Let's get into, like, I really want to make sure we get into some of the resources and things that are available, who you partner with. Um, there may not be a lot of knowledge out there. And so for folks who are at home, I do have an email I want to read. Um, who is a, a resource for low vision and blind people, and maybe you, uh, you all have heard of this, but... Erin uh, writes that she's sharing a free resource, uh, Be My Eyes. It's an app for blind and low vision users supported by sighted volunteers all over the world. Volunteers who answer video calls to assist users in helping with everyday tasks. She says she has helped one user find the light switches in his new apartment and a user sort clothing by size. It's an incredible resource with minimal commitment on the volunteers' part. You only answer calls if you're available, and there are 6 million volunteers currently. Um, that's, that's incredible. That sounds really neat. It is. Be My Eyes is one of the coolest things, apps out there for learning uh, about the blind and visually impaired. It's, it, it's empowering when you help somebody, and it's, uh, it's so helpful to, be, to get the help. I'm actually one of the lucky ones. I get to be a helper, and I get mm -hmm. to be an asker. Depending okay. on where I'm at and what the conditions are. Right. Any others, Nate, that apps you can think of? I mean, that oh, for yeah. the sighted people? Um, 
Well, I would say that, yeah, for the apps, there's there's Be My Eyes. There's something called Scene AI, and that's a free app that you can download on the iPhone. And I can take the camera of my phone, and I could scan a piece of paper. It will read to me what's on that paper or a label, whether it's food, a soup can, a prescription. I can um, use it as a money uh, denomination reader, so it can tell me the amount of money. Wow. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of apps, which is kind of a whole other area where people may not realize that, you know, a blind person can use a smartphone. You know, Android, Apple, they have built-in accessibility where they have magnification. They have color contrasting, color inversion. They have um, what we call talking software on it. And so that, that phone can become accessible, and you can do all... You know, whether it's, believe it or not, you know, your stocks, your trading, your um, in paying your bills, ordering your food, your groceries through Instacart. Blind person can do all those things through a smartphone. As well as a computer. Yes. So let's touch on our services. And I'll give the mission, and Nate runs the show day to day. Our mission is to help all Alaskans succeed in life and work. And so we don't limit ourselves to the Anchorage Bowl. In fact, we do go throughout the state. I think this year we helped 230 people in 27 communities or something around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, our, and Nate's going to tell us about our services, but I want to encourage everybody. We're starting up some tours again. And what those tours are is it's a hour lunch and we provide food and you get to go around and see these individual services that Nate's going to describe. And it's, it's a really good starting point for someone who's interested in helping, donating, or just learning. Yes, yes. Well, I'll talk about some of these services, and a lot of them fall under the umbrella of different grants that we have to, to service the state. One is going to be a rural travel grant, which allows a one of our staff to go around to different communities. Communities Sometimes it's commuter planes. Sometimes it's on the road system. He was out uh, in Seward on Monday. And so he may go to these communities and do uh, presentations. He may do what we call blind sensitivity training to staff or faculty. And he is going to also do what we call low vision clinic. And that's where um, somebody will, with a, who's low vision or blind will come to the clinic and they will go over their eye condition and see what their functional vision is, see what their limitations are, and go over different devices, whether it's um, your, your phone and the, the smart features on there, the accessibility features, or we may demonstrate some magnifications or even some things like um, a, a color contrast cutting board or something for what we call ADLs, activities of daily living, something you can use in your kitchen to help you keep your independence. And then we have a $100 grant within these clinics that that provide the person the opportunity to, to pick something out and be ordered for them. So that's the rural travel and the low vision component of that. Uh, it, that goes into Anchorage. We have low vision clinics here in Anchorage at the Alaska Center for the Blind Training Center in Spinard off of Taft. And then we do the low vision clinics out in Matsu, the Matsu Valley, where we have another grant. It's um, done by the Matsu Health Foundation out there. And that allows us to reach people out there for home visits um, where we may go into someone's home and and talk about things that they can do to be more independent. Maybe we're putting these little sticky bump dots on the microwave or on the stove or on the mm-hmm. washer and dryer. Um, maybe we're, we're looking at different lighting that they could use in their house. Or maybe we're, again, going over some of the features on the phones in a home visit. And then, uh, the like I said, the, the low vision clinics out there. 
Uh, we have a Braille grant, which allows, allows us to work with school districts throughout the state who need some additional funding to purchase devices for their blind, low-vision students. So people in different school districts and their special ed departments or their BVI departments, blind, visually impaired, they can contact us and, and make requests, and we can approve those and order them devices. Maybe sometimes it's an iPad or it's a, a CCTV, something that has, it's a TV that magnifies information that you place under the camera. Um, we also have an older blind grant, which is kind of self-explanatory. It allows us to offer services to, to seniors statewide who are blind. And then uh, something that we don't have a grant for, but we what we call our fee-for-service area, that's our training, which primarily takes place at the, at the center, the Alaska Center for the Blind, where we also have dorms, so people may come in throughout from the state and they may stay in a dorm for training. Right now we have a person staying there for three months. We may have a person coming in and stay for five or six months of training. And these people aren't quote unquote completely blind. You know, they have usable vision, but they're, they are gonna be at the center to receive what we call um, non-visual skills. Um, learning to navigate what we call O&M, orientation and mobility. That's one area of instruction. It may involve the cane, or it may involve using the vision that you do have to always know where you are um, or how to use maybe the, the, the system, the people mover, you know, transportation system or anchor rides. And so that area of instruction is called O&M. And then we have technology where we're going to cover using the computer, using everything on the computer that can help one be independent and be competitive in the workforce. That may be Microsoft Office. It could be Excel. It could be Google Suite. It could be shopping. It could be Amazon, social media, all of those things that allow a person to continue to participate in society and, you know, keep their identity as a person who makes contributions, who socializes, who is in the workforce. Um, the next area is going to be ADL. I talked about it a little bit. Activities of daily living where we have uh, three kitchens at the center. And we're going to go over things like how to cook safely, how to prepare food, how to store food, microwave, stove. And that also goes into, you know, paying bills, you know, keeping track of your, your medications, uh, making sure your home is clean, things are sanitized. You understand what will happen if you mix these chemicals and spray this and not spray that, washer, dryer. Uh, so ADLs, and then we have Braille, and that is a, a code of dots that allows blind people to, to read. You know, it's literacy for us, and it can be both written and read. Um, there's electronic Braille devices, so that's another area that we offer. And then an exciting area is manual skills, where we actually have a shop, uh, a wood shop, where there none of the none of the equipment in there is modified. It's the way that it comes from the you know Lowe's or Home Depot, bandsaw, wood lathe, vices, planer, joiner, all of those things in there. We have a even a, a toilet in there. So someone could go through, you know, how do I unclog my toilet? How do I right. change out this? We have a gas meter that was donated by NSTAR so they can know what it means to shut off your gas. Uh, we're going to go over fire safety, some first aid, home maintenance. So those are the things that are done at the center. And those are the grants and the different programs that we have that cover us throughout the state to reach that mission statement. Wow, as you're going through that list, Nate, I just think of all the things 
in life that sighted folks take for granted. Um, just really simple everyday. You went through a pretty exhaustive list, but I'm sure there's tons more um, that we just do automatically and naturally. And the Alaska Center is it's the only training and uh, center in the state. Is that correct? It is. Yes. You know, ADL uh, in the what Nate's talking about and what you're just touching on. Um, filling up a cup of coffee. Do you stick your finger in it and right. wait till it gets hot? Right. And there, there's liquid fillers. There's, there's tricks, and and it, that goes throughout the whole your whole life. And that's what the center trains. Not only the kitchen, not only the shop. Which follow us on Facebook because we have a confidence with Kevin. Kevin has zero light perception, and teaching someone who has vision how to work on a drill press with just this big gnarly drill going up and down. It's intimidating for someone with sight, and then they see Kevin do it, and it's he's more safe than anybody I've ever been around. I was in construction for 20 some years. Right. He, he, he does it right. There's no rush. And so it's really cool. And then, and then as far as assisted technology goes, computers, Nate, um, I'm, I'm in my training, I'm trying to lose using a mouse. And so everybody knows control C is copy control V is paste. Those are hotkeys. There's a gazillion hotkeys. And if, if, I remember when Nate was training me, he said, okay, let's have a little race. Let's see who can get to such and such quicker website. And it wasn't even close. I couldn't, right. I didn't even find the mouse cursor before he was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so it, it is superior if you can learn it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of tools. And again, if we go back to this, you know, this thing about, you know, losing your, not only your independence, but your identity, it's oftentimes because we are losing the control mechanisms in our life. And so our goal in this rehab process is to add these different tools back to people, and then they start to feel like, okay, I have some control. I, I mm-hmm. am me. I'm not just uh, you know, an agent out of control spinning in the ether. I can still do things. I can go places. There's a community, and there's other people who re- relate to me, and that's part of the, the healing process. Because you know, we can talk about all of these tips and tricks, but then there's a whole other side of it is that you know, it's, there's trauma, there's trauma involved. And some people may be born blind. And so we, you know, we quote unquote adjusted, but that trauma may come later on when you try to get into the workforce and you find out that people are still discriminatory, you know, due to ignorance, due to other things. Mm -hmm. And so there's different phases of trauma and to be joined in a community and to receive proper training is part of that healing process that is so vital and necessary. All right. There's a, a couple of more subjects I want to get to, um, but right now we're up against or past our second break. So if you're just tuning in today, my guests are our executive director, C.B. Brady, and program director, Nate Kyle, from the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. If you have a question for C.B. or Nate, um, please don't hesitate to call in after uh, take a break. I'll let you know how you can reach us. I'm Prentice Pemberton, and you are listening to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. You're listening to Line One from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line One on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. On June 11th, Alaska will have the first round of a special election to fill the open seat in Congress. Every Alaskan voter will receive a ballot in the mail. In the June 11th primary, you can only vote for one person. The ranking happens later. Pick your favorite candidate, sign, and get a friend to sign as well. Then mail it back. 
And remember that June 11th is the Pick One primary. This message sponsored by Alaskans for Better Elections. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Prentice Pemberton. If you're just joining us, my guests today are Executive Director C.B. Brady and Program Director Nate Kyle from the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. If you have a question for C.B. or Nate or a comment about today's topic, you can give us a call in, I would say, the next five to seven minutes. Don't wait till the last second uh, because we won't be able to take the time to get you on. But... Uh, our Anchorage number is 907-550-8433. Uh, you can reach us toll-free outside of Anchorage at one 553 5752 and our email is line1 at org. All right, Nate, before the show started, you wanted to make sure that we discussed one thing in particular, which was people, and, and you sort of, brought it up with this tricks of the trade that's kind of what kept coming into my mind like all these tricks and all these tips for how to just be able to live your life and that losing your vision does not mean losing your life and a lot of people you said wait too long as this sort of gradual decline or loss of vision or if they lose it suddenly they just go into this isolation but that's something that is part of the mission that you guys are and, and why you're here today is to let people know that um, there are resources and there is a way to get back. So can you speak to that a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. So what we, we see very often is a person who has had a job, had a career, maybe they're a professional, they have an eye condition and it's, it's getting worse and they're going to the eye doctor. And they're looking for a cure. You know, they, they want their vision restored. They want this to stop. And then one day, and we get this, they, they go to the eye doctor and the eye doctor says, well, there's, we're at the point where there's nothing else we can do. And sometimes the, the recommendation has been, I think you're going to have to go on disability. I think you're going to have to quit your job. Um, and once that job, they leave the, the, the workforce, it often takes many, many years to get back into the workforce um, through going through, you know, depression, the processing, the paperwork, and, and just all the things that come with that. We want to see people, and we, you know, we have great relationships with some eye doctors, eye clinics, but we want to see the conversation for, for what we do take place earlier in that process. And we want to be that alternative, that complementary, that that part of you know preventive medicine uh, that comes in and says, "Hey, we don't have to lose independence. You can sign up with uh, one of our partner agencies, DVR, Department of Vocational Rehabilitation, and we can come in and support you. We can do a worksite assessment, and find out." Maybe this a type of magnification is going to help you. Maybe this program that has talking software uh, and us training you to do some keystrokes is going to help you. Maybe coming through and, on, and helping with orientation for your building or using anchor rides or using um, people mover will help. And we can start that conversation and then people realize they're not alone. They start to be empowered and they know that there's resources out there. And that, that helps the process go much better. 
rather than just waiting. And then there's another type of person. There's, you know, there's somebody who's been blind, low vision now for years, and they're kind of in their parents or their uncles or their brother's basement, and they're just there. Mm-hmm. They're just in front of the TV, and I'm talking to them right now. Call us up. You know, call DVR, and let's get you over to the center. The center is, is full of instructors who many are blind, um, it's full of music. There's us crazy musicians. We have guitars all around. We we eat well. People are in the kitchen cooking. It's a community there. Uh, we have a potluck uh, once a month, ideally. And, um, yeah, we get to know each other. And a lot of times these people come into the community, and we're going to be connected one way or another for the next five or ten years. So you're also adding not only to your support network but kind of an extended family um, we've had a, a mom call and say, you know, my son, he has low vision. He graduated three years ago, and he just sits here in front of the 60-inch TV playing mm-hmm. video games. And that was five years ago. And a month ago, he got a job. And this is the first job he's had, and he's employed. And it's a career-type job that he may be able to stay at for a while. Mm. I think that's a that's a really important point. I mean, if you lose your vision, you may not necessarily need to lose your job. I mean, there's training and there's adaptive stuff that could help you keep it if you don't wait too long. I'm sure there are some jobs that, um, like if you're a, a pilot, uh, that you will need to transition to a different career. Um, but yeah, there's no need if you get it early. I love the idea of preventative you know, as soon as the doctor says, hey, this is going to happen, CB, you're a great example of that, of getting ahead of the curve, right, and really working to in advance. Maybe. Um, being on the board for 12 years w- was fantastic. I saw every day, not every day, I saw what was happening. Right. I knew people need training. You know, the, I, I, the eyes are windows to your health. They're not just for vision loss. They can really tell you a lot about your personal health. And I didn't go get training until I lost my ability to drive. So I didn't practice what I preached. Hmm. And that's a lot of times it can be ego and your ego gets in the way. I can still see I'm not blind. Denial. Denial. Yeah. yeah. And I'll never forget when my doctor told me uh, driving home is the last time you're going to drive. Hmm. And I was so mad at the world. But but not really mad at anything, right? It was just yeah. it was just this realization that, wow, my life's changing in a massive way, even though I can still see. And so when I started getting training, um, I could have been farther ahead had I had I let the ego go aside and said, hey, I, even though I can still drive, I know my prog- my progression is getting worse. So it, Nate's a good it's a great point that Nate makes. Yeah, getting out of your own way and and acceptance. I mean, that's a process we all go through with any significant change right in our lives and any event you know be it uh, a spinal cord injury loss of vision loss of hearing um, addiction like whatever mm-hmm. our, our unique challenge is we like tend to push that off push that off until sometimes it's too late so don't do that all right we are of uh, we've got a couple of phone calls I want to get to as we're um, winding down and I still want to get to Alaska, uh, and the unique challenges, but let's get some, uh, quick phone calls. We got Ken in Fairbanks. You're on line one. Go ahead. Hi. Um, yeah, I just wanted to tell you about a neighbor I had who I found out was blind and, uh, turned out he was a fantastic, uh, cabinet maker. He had equipment in his shop that I would lose fingers over. He was completely, 
apparently completely sightless, but he operated all this stuff and built me just amazing, some amazing furniture that I still have. And uh, I just remember one day when I was putting a window in my house and I was running into a problem, I called up my blind neighbor to help me do carpentry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he really taught me a huge amount that, that, okay, he can't see. And he recognized that, you know, he couldn't see, so he couldn't put on the finished coat of varnish on furniture, so I'd help him with that. But in terms of other things, he was way more confident than I was. And it really opened my eyes up to the fact that, okay, so I couldn't see, big deal. You know, that was just the way it was. Great story. And Thank you. I so appreciate, you know, what, what he taught me. All right. Thank you for the call, Ken. Let's, uh, that's, that's a really great perspective. Appreciate you sharing it. And we have uh, Marianne and Fairbanks. You have a, a question for my guests? I do. Um, I'm, uh, I have macular degeneration. was diagnosed over 25 years ago, um, but it didn't really start really bothering me until maybe 10 years ago or so, and it's progressively gotten worse. So I, my visual field, my visual vision is good. My central vision is going. So I, I can't read um, newspapers, books, and things anymore. I can't even read my own handwriting. However, that app that was mentioned is the for the smartphone. Seeing AI is wonderful. It even reads um, handwriting to me, and um, that is just amazing. Uh, so I use that app a lot, and also the Be My Eyes is good. I haven't used the volunteer part of that, but they have partnered with many uh, corporations. So I have contacted Microsoft and Google. It's just a one-touch button, and it goes immediately to their disability desk. Mm -hmm. So it's somebody who understands that I've got vision issues, and, and maybe my computer problems weren't really related to my vision, but they'll <laughs> Quite often it is because of my vision. Um, so there are smartphones, and I think, I mean, I started a low vision group here in Fairbanks, and we meet once a month on, on Zoom. Um, this is through uh, another organization, Aging at Home Fairbanks. And um, it's been really great to just compare notes um, just a support system for for each other. Um, and but another question I wanted to ask though is that I understand that there's an assistive technology program with uh, the state, the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. I think is that connected with what you do, or how is it different? Do you know. Hmm. Well, you know the. The state is one of our partner agencies through DVR, and a lot of times they will send us somebody to do assistive technology training. So I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to, but that that may be it. We get a lot of referrals from the state, and we, we run everybody from point A to point Z on the computer depending on the vocational goals. All right. Um, thank you for the call, Marianne. We are running out of time rapidly, but... Um, yeah, that was a great call, and there's lots of resources out there, and it sounds like technology has really been a game changer um, for for 
visual uh, assistance and, and living life. So, but before the program, CB said, I want to talk about winter in Alaska. And we got about a minute and a half left. So we're going to talk about what are the unique challenges in, in winter in Alaska. You said people just end up being at home. Yeah, I'm as a daily public transit user, uh, it's, and I'm an able-bodied guy, <clears throat> I, I have a hard time getting to the bus stop. I'm on the Public Transit Advisory Board. I'm on the Bike Pedestrian Advisory Committee. I'm doing everything I can to clean up our sidewalks so that the blind, the visually impaired, the wheelchair users, the elderly, that we can get to the resources we need. And right now we can't. And it doesn't span one administration. It's been the last three that I've been a part of. We don't prioritize cleaning sidewalks in our city. Um, there's challenges, there's financial challenges, we get a lot of snow, but if we really want to be um, one of the best, we can be, we just got to put a voice to it, and that's what we're trying to do on these boards and through the center. It's, it's, it's doable, it's frustrating, and to have friends and family that don't go out because they can't navigate a simple sidewalk is very upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that reminder, CB, because if anyone listening has a voice or has the opportunity to have a voice in that conversation, um, you know, take that perspective from if, if you were low vision blind or if you were a senior that still wanted to go outside and take walks or a wheelchair user, those that thing that looks so minor, just snow on a sidewalk piled up, that's a barrier to, to wellness, to mental health, to, to mobility. Yeah, I can't. The number of times I've seen people walking the street because they can't get on the sidewalk because it's so full. And, and then you see those cleaners come by every now and then. But that's few and far between. And as a driver, I used to get upset. Why are they walking in the street? And now I walk in the street now because I have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I make one plug real quick? Yes, please. Okay. Um, the Center for the Blind is going to be providing a music this Friday for the Art Walk at um, Stephen Fine Arts Gallery in the Captain Cook Hotel. One of our instructors, Tony, who is a, one of the musicians along with Nate, who plays every day, is going to be playing. And as a kid of the 70s, sometimes I hear him play Iron Maiden, which I love, but he won't be playing that at the uh, Stephen Fine Arts Gallery. But please come if you can. Yeah, the first Friday. It'll mm-hmm. be the first, first Friday, Friday, this June, Friday. June 3rd. Oh, June 3rd, yeah. Yep. All right, gentlemen, we are out of time. My thanks to my guests, C.B. Brady and Nate Kyle. It was a great conversation. I appreciate you both so much. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you for having us. All right, be sure, uh, well, tune in next week. I'm not sure what the topic is, um, but tune in for an interesting conversation. My thanks to Line 1, producer Adeline Baxter, and our audio engineer, Tobin Shelby. For all of us at Line 1, we appreciate you for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, I'm Prentice Pemberton. Have a great day, Alaska. Line One is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants, and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Learn more about Line One and listen online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.